Robins at the Gate with Sky Sports and Five Lives Michelle Owen. Proudly sponsored by Mansion Bet, your favourite place to bet. Get £20 in free bets when you join today and bet £10 on any sport. Always bet on red with Mansion Bet. New customers only. Minimum first bet of £10 at odds of evens or greater from a UK debit card. For £5 free bets valid for seven days. Full terms at mansionbet.com. 18 plus. Be gamble aware. Hello and welcome to Robins at the Gate with myself, Michelle Owen and Gregor McGregor as we have reached the end of the season. A season like no other, a season where the fans have been sorely missed. But maybe a sigh of relief for Bristol City that this season is over. It's been pretty poor and Gregor, um, let's start by talking about the Brentford game. We're going to come on to some other things on the podcast this week. Important things that we need to discuss, um, the Brentford defeat being the first thing, the young players, players not being fit enough from Arajiju and the rumours already about transfers. But Gregor, we're going to start with the Brentford game. Uh, But before we do, I just want to play this back to you. This is what you said last week. Um, well, I can only see, unfortunately, a B's win. So I would go for 1-3 for, for Brentford. Unfortunately, I think Tony will get a goal. I think Bristol City might get a goal themselves. We've seen some better attacking play of, of late. Gregor, you're like the Oracle. <laughs> you mystic Meg. You know everything. <laughs> Look, you predicted it. It was 3-1. Nostradamus, Nostradamus, maybe. Um, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't um, too too hard to see that one, was it? So, yeah, I, I actually thought Bristol City did okay for an hour. I thought I thought they were pretty good in that first half. I thought it was fairly even. But I was speaking to somebody at half time, and we were saying that basically Brentford always looked like they carried that little bit more attacking threat, and we always felt that it was going to be tough to keep them down for the entire match. So somebody, I think, was asking me in my school prediction at half-time and I, I was saying that there's a long, long way to go in the game. And yeah, unfortunately, that proved to be the case. The first goal is always so crucial. And then once Brentford, they, they got a bit of luck, I thought, with that goal. But then they had so many attacks that you just felt that they were going to get that bit of luck, if you know oh, what I mean. The second so, goal. The second goal. I mean, yeah. I thought the second goal really summed up where Brentford are at compared to where Bristol City are at. It was a beautiful passing move. And when it got to the edge of the box, Brian um, and Buomo, he was the one that started it off in that immediate sort of succession of passes before he got the finish. It was too good. It was too one touch for Bristol City to cope with. And it's really, it was that sort of game, I guess, which was a great comparison between Brentford, who've done it right, and Bristol City, who sadly haven't quite got it right with their strategy over the last few seasons yeah absolutely I just just feel that Brentford obviously we should point out that they haven't got Premier League parachute payments and it's a whole different ball game when you've got those because you've got obviously such a financial advantage around circa 30 million pounds 40 million pounds extra in budget to play with and that that really is a, a game changer and fair play to Brentford because they don't have that and yet um, speaking to Thomas Frank after the game, he was pointing out all the all the records that they'd achieved this season, and I think it's in it's in most seasons they would have been been promoted with the eighty seven points that they've got this season. They're mm. the top scorers in the division. They've lost 
only as many games as Norwich, the fewest in the division. And yeah, they, they've had a great year. They've got Ivan Tony, those a class act, isn't he? And even if I was writing about this over the weekend, even if worst case scenario, they don't go up and they had to sell him, he would bring in what, 40 million pounds, 35 million pounds, 30 million pounds, and they could use that money to rebuild. So they're in a great position, even if they don't go up, I think. But I do fancy them. I think they might, this might be their, their year. I think if they can get past Bournemouth, I fancy them to, to, to win the, the playoff final. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Bristol City had to look what they've done over the last three, four years. And it's, it's nothing really new. I hate to say this, but we, we've said this, Michelle, since we've been doing Robins on the Wire, that we've got to look at the recruitment that Brentford are doing. Yeah, and, and it's actually quite an interesting, I guess, um, indication of, of where they're at. But I do feel that they, they probably do need to win the, the playoff this year. They've got to do it because they've had this amazing approach, the money board approach, really, of finding diamonds, in the not even in the rough, just players they saw with great potential, like Ollie Watkins, like Ivan Tony, um, before that, Neil Morpay. Players they found and who've done brilliantly for them. And they've got the strategy completely spot on. Bristol City, in contrast, they've tried to, I guess, sell their way to the top in, in some ways. But when they've sold these big players, they've not really replaced them. And the way the club has been operating over the last year with the big concerns over fitness has had a massive, massive impact. Do you think this is going to be a huge summer of change, Gregor, or would it be subtle changes? Because when I spoke to Nigel Pearson after the game for Sky and Quest, he said, you know, it's not, it's not just behind the scenes. There's going to be a lot of player staff changes too. How many players are out of contract? Well, we believe it's 13. It, it could be a few more, depends on if, if you count some of the junior players or not. And so we, but we make it 13 from the, from the 40, uh, sorry, 38 man squad they've used this season in the championship. So, wow. yeah, I, I mean, as we record this, we understand that basically there's been meetings today with the players about who's going to be staying, who's going to be going. We, we don't know yet who that's going to be, but, and, and Nigel Pearson confirmed himself after the game that they were going to be having these meetings this week. And yeah, we'll have to see what, what comes about regarding the retained list when when the when the club no doubt publishes that later in the week. But just just going back to what you were saying there about recruitment it is so so fundamental. I spoke to a, a championship manager not so long ago, and he, he reiterated that recruitment is everything. You've got to get that right. You've got to bring in the best talents, um, unless you've got them coming through the academy. And Bristol City do have some yeah. some good talent coming through there, but not enough, unfortunately for a promotion challenge. So, and, and nobody does, I don't think, uh, beyond championship level. And that's part and parcel of football regarding ECPP and, and the way that big clubs essentially can can bring in the best young talent um, from other clubs all across the EFL. But that's going off at a bit of a tangent, tangent, but that just shows how hard it is to do it that route. So recruitment is so, so fundamental. We've discussed it many times how Brentford are a club who, who gets so many things right in uh, obviously with t- Tony that's a player that every championship club obviously looked at Bristol City were no different they had a, a genuine interest in him 18 months ago instead they signed Narky Wells oh, it's uh, like such a bad decision now doesn't it like yeah. I like Narky Had Wells a- I know he's Bristol City's top scorer this season isn't he but you look back on it now and you think oh talk about a sliding doors moment 
Yeah, I, and that, to be fair to the club, they would have said at the time we can't afford him. But but then even if you pushed the boat out and paid over the odds, it just it, it just still works out at such a bargain, wouldn't it? Even if you paid like something which at the time would have been stupid, like eight million yeah. something like that. Just now, and and that's uh, that's maybe what they've got to do. Maybe they've got to have that conviction to be able to go on and and, and really invest um, in players that are going to make the difference. Rather than than settling for for players, and I'm not, I don't mean Narky Wells here because I think he is a good addition, but maybe players who, who aren't going to have that potential. So, yeah, Brian and Bremo scored at the weekend. He was another player. Lee Johnson told us how basically Bristol City were in for him in in the summer of 2019. Who signs him? And Brentford do. So, until they can get their, their basically win the the summer transfer battles, then. I'm not too sure they're going to be able to do it on the pitch. But as we, as we say, this this is a window, so another chance to get things right and let's see what they can do. Yeah, worst league position for quite a while, unfortunately, for Bristol City. Um, there were some bright moments on Saturday at least. Um, now, Louis Britton or Lewis Britton? Because I thought it was Louis, but one of the media guys at Bristol City said no. He's just told me he calls himself Lewis and we've been calling him Louis for months. So um, Lewis or Louis, if you're listening to this, feel free to clarify. But what a moment for him to score on his debut. Yeah, brilliant. And the Bristol City fans have been calling out for him for the last few weeks, to be fair yeah. to them. They, they knew. So he's he's had a really good season, actually, at under 23. Well, level, I think. You know, he was playing for, is it Magnetsfield? Just a couple of seasons? Yes. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, we spoke to him after the game. He was saying how he was a painter and decorator two years ago, really, helping his dad. And yeah, playing for Mangotsfield United. And then, yeah, he's had a couple of loan spells this season at Stockport and Torquay. Things didn't go quite so well for him on those. But he's been doing brilliantly in the under-23s side. I think he's um, scored 13 goals as the Robins have won their group. They've got um, a semi-final game coming up later this week, in fact. And... Yeah, he's been a star of that team and fully deserved chances with the senior side. The fans have been calling for him. He gets on the pitch. I love the way he won that first header against Sorensen, really knocked the central defender flying, got his foot stuck in, as they as they say, picked up a yellow card. And uh, and yeah, great, great for him that he, that he scored the goal and, uh, and, and gave one bright spot in a pretty dismal season. Yeah. It was nice to have something positive to finish on, at least. But at the end, Nigel Pearson was saying, you know, this... This squad, this team, is just not fit enough. Which goes back, I guess, to the last pre-season. But you can't blame it all on Andy Rolls, who's now departing. There has to be some responsibility from the coaches, you know, for player loading, how they're training, what they're doing in the sessions, from the physios, from how they're repairing the players and their schedules. So is Nigel Pearson going to rip up everything that's been done over the last season? I think there's going to be an element of that. I think, we, well, we've obviously seen that the major issue for me is is the injuries this um, this season, and yeah, that's another element of that that the players haven't been fit enough. And I'd agree with him. I don't think they have been. I don't don't think that there's a, enough balance to the squad. I don't think they've got enough quality there. I think Nigel Pearson recognises that, and yeah, he'll he'll bring in his own plans. We we actually asked him about pre-season after the game, and he said they wouldn't be going abroad, but they would. Might look to get away somewhere, but um, the, the fixtures are going to be released soon, apparently, for, for pre-season. They're, they're almost in place. 
And and yeah, in terms of pre-season and getting everybody up to speed and being fitter and, and stronger this season, then they've probably got a big job ahead of them. And, and I think they'll bring in recruits to help with that. Yeah, the rumours have started already haven't they? Uh, if you have a little look who's being linked at the moment, it's Wes Morgan. Of course, Nigel Pearson knows him well from his Leicester days. What do you think about that link? I'd be careful with that one. I'm not too sure if there's anything in, in that. We'll, we'll see. I mean, we we haven't heard definitively on that one, but bearing in mind that he's what, he's, is it 35, 37? Um, so obviously right at the end of his career, I think he's only played. He's, he's another Danny Simpson. Really? It's yeah. He's only played, I believe, 17 minutes since basically Christmas time, although yeah, right. that, that is in the Premier League. Um, so I'd, I'm not too sure whether, he'd, whether he'd, he'd fit in with exactly what they want at Bristol City. Number one. Three times. For anyone. Yeah. Number one for anyone coming in is they've got to be fit and available. And so if you're bringing in someone, a centre-half right at the end of his career, is that really the way to go? Maybe they might see him as someone who can compete for one of those places, but we'll see. Well, talking about competing for places, what happened to Thomas Callis? He wasn't injured. He was left completely out of the squad yesterday. Indeed. Indeed, yeah. It was a bit mysterious, but I suppose you can look at it the same way as at Millwall, um, Nigel Pearson left out, Dan Bentley, although it is the club captain you would have expected him to play. I, I just think with Callas, he's, on, he's obviously not been himself the last few weeks. He, we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago and he admitted that he hadn't been at his best against either Luton or Wickham. And then it was a, it was a bit of an awkward interview. I think we mentioned it last week. And then he, he had that howler at Millwall. And I asked Nigel Pearson after the game whether he'd, that was a, a lack of confidence or what. And it, it was a bit of a, uh, an awkward response from Nigel Pearson saying basically he wasn't too sure and basically Callas would have to prove himself and, and whether he was in the team next week or not would probably tell a lot and he wasn't in the team. So whether it's just off the back of his on-pitch performances or whether something else is going on there, with there's a lot of rumours around it at the moment, then we'll have to, we'll have to see. But, What's not really- but, well, I mean... So there's a lot of fans who are sort of pointing out his po- um, social media posts and things like this and wondering if something is, is going on maybe in his personal life and, and that. I don't want to pry too much into to that side, but you can understand that obviously players have um, lives away from the pitch and everything. At the same time, on the pitch, things haven't been going quite uh, right recently. Naturally, everybody then asks, is the bit, has there been some kind of bust up between Nigel Pearson and Thomas Callas? That's not nothing we've heard of um, ourselves. However, you, you can you can definitely say, obviously, that it's, it's a bit odd that the captain has been left out completely. Maybe uh, it would have been acceptable to see him on the bench, but he, but he wasn't in a t- in the squad at all. And Nigel Pearson said, uh, basically, that he'd been rested. Well, there are no, no games to come this season, so what's he being rested for? Um, yeah, it's a disappointing end to the season. Maybe it was just burnout at the end of the season. Um Looking at this summer, how soon is Nigel Pearson back in his office and getting to work? Because when we talk about the players out of contract and the players that need replacing, it's quite overwhelming, the work that needs doing. So is he back to it straight away? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's up at the training ground as we record this. I know because I've just spoken to someone who's been up there themselves. And uh, yeah, uh, basically, uh, there's uh, we understand that everybody's there at the moment. It's a full turnout. You've got John Nans down there and, uh, and and all the coaching staff. They are having meetings, as I said before, with the players. That's something that Nigel Pearson explained after the game himself. Um, he's speaking to many of the players who are out of contract and explaining what is going to be the case and, and basically we're awaiting news on, on what those conversations are. Well, for Marijan's use off, isn't he? He was on the pitch. Um, I'm thinking it was his little one, I think. I, I, you don't like to presume anything, but when I was still waiting for the post-match for quite a while, he was having his pictures on the pitch. Almost like, I, I assume farewell, one for the memories, um, quite sad in some ways that we didn't see the usual lap of honour. I don't know if it was much of a lap of honour this season. Um, you know, that they of dishonour, yeah, not not a bad shout. But anyway, Fan was having his, his photo on, on the pitch with his little one, we assume. Um he's off, isn't he? We we I mean, God, it would it be looks that way, doesn't it? It yeah. would be quite something I, if he wasn't. Yeah, we we're expecting that to be confirmed this week. Um again, Nigel Pearson's view on it, because I've asked him several times what's going on there over the last few days and he was basically, he tellingly said that there was, uh, the situation was clear between them, but it wasn't quite right for it to be made public just yet. So I, I, reading between the lines, we're probably expecting an announcement later this week, along with a retained list that Famari Jeju has decided he's going to leave the club um, at the end of the, this, his contract. He, he has had a contract offer on the table for a long time from Bristol City, but the club has decided obviously not to raise their offer. They haven't made any new um, offers to him and he is obviously going to go elsewhere. And yeah, I, I, I'm in two minds about this myself because firstly, I do think there's a decent player there. Neil Warnock is a big fan of his and I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up at Middlesbrough, but I'm sure he'll have other offers as well. And if if Warnock wants him, then then why don't Bristol City? So that would be a bit worrying. But yeah. um, secondly, he's a he was the club record signing just a few years ago, five point three million pounds when he arrived. So to then lose him on a free transfer, I think we've then got to question the Bristol City hierarchy. And um, yeah, why have they not done more to keep him, or why did they not sell him for a fee last summer? Do you think someone like Lewis Britton then can? Oh, yeah. Could he fill for Marajiji's boots? I mean, he's still young, he's still untested, really, in the grand scheme of things. Nigel Pearson said he had a lot to work on in his game, uh, mobility and, and, and fitness. But could next season be a moment for him then, or are they going to have to spend some money to get someone in to, re- to replace him? I think they've got to recruit there. I, I think they'll spend money on players to, to do better in both boxes. If, if you think they're been the worst team this season in the league by by a little bit of a distance actually mm. um, on defending set pieces and and they haven't scored too many either and if you think of how of how vital Deju was at defending set pieces and you're taking him away you'd expect it to be even worse so I think they'll recruit centre backs and, and and strikers possibly this this summer in terms of um, powerful. Um, strong and athletic players. Um, Anyone basically... mind Britain Summer longer? Well, yeah. Does he fit into that? I, I think it, I, I could envisage maybe someone a, a bit 
maybe better in the air than a song belonger. I think that that would be the key requisite. So someone basically to to replace Deji as the target man. So so with Wells running off him, whereas I yeah, maybe a song belonger player. Yeah, fair enough. He, he he maybe could do that role, but you'd be playing a different kind of football. I'm not too sure that he would fit with what Pearson wants. So, yeah, I mean, we'll keep an eye on that one, but I, I, I wouldn't expect that one to happen. And, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see who else they go for. Maybe it's a little bit early in the window yeah. and they're probably concentrating on bringing a few staff members first, I would imagine. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk more next week because we've got a couple more weeks in the season left on the podcast of, of if Bristol City are going to you know, have a huge sort of overhaul on on how they, um, I guess, approach next season. So that is something we want to talk about in, in more depth and that's one for next week. But I just want to ask about the playoffs, Gregor. They're now um, sealed who's playing who. We knew who the teams were last week, but it will be Brentford against Bournemouth and Swansea against Barney in the semis. Who, who do you fancy this year? Um, well, first of all, I obviously, Barnsley... Uh, the sort of underdogs are obviously depending on, I suppose, yeah, they've come from nowhere. And they, as we said, they haven't got those Premier League parachute payments that Bournemouth have got. I know obviously Bournemouth finished a place below them, but I would still make that game between the Cherries and, and the Bees to be quite close. And oh, it's going to be so good. And, yeah. And, and, and these games can really be decided on the breadth of a hair. And obviously anything can go in. You just get the, bad break of the ball or bad refereeing decision or anything. You, you need that bit of luck. Saying that, if Brentford do come through that, I do fancy them uh, a bit more over maybe Swansea, who maybe haven't been as consistent as some of the other teams at, at times. They've obviously got the points on the board, though, there. And and as we say, maybe Barnsley are the, the team arriving with the most momentum and they've had a fantastic year. And that should give hope to Bristol City fans. Look what happened with Barnsley last season and, and where they are now and Bristol City have got to look to replicate that have a settled style of play and, and recruit to, to fit that What a recruitment Valerian Ishmael was there by the way done a stunning job yeah I, I never want to say who's going to do what in the playoffs because it's just so unpredictable Brentford they'll have the best form going into it I had a little look but uh, you feel like Brentford really need to do it this season um given their approach to things as well. And that's something we're going to talk about more next week. We're going to be with you till the end of May to the playoff conclusion, uh, which is the bank holiday Monday the 31st to round off this season. And I did have some tweets that I wanted to get onto just before we go, Gregor. We put them up. Robin's at the gate. That's our Twitter name. We're, we're pretty easy to, to find. And we put this tweet out yesterday and said, Nigel Pearson said the squad simply wasn't fit enough in, in post-match when he spoke to us yesterday. Who do you think can be key to City improving next season? Who should he bring in? So I'm just going to throw a few of these for you. Um, Rob said a fitness coach, which I thought was a, was a good one. But um, Joe AC96, Ryan Nyambi as a right back. That's a good shout, isn't it? Definitely. Big fan of his. I think he'd be perfect. It just could imagine him being a sort of Pearson player, powerful, athletic, experienced at this level. That's exactly the sort of player I think they should be looking at at right back. And I, I think they probably will bring in um, some defenders. So, yeah, maybe one to keep an eye on. Look, I mentioned Brentford's analytical money ball approach. Fev's football, and, uh, Fev's football analytics on Twitter. Oh, such a good follow. You follow Fev's, you get some great info. And, and he tweeted us a lot of information about League One players. 
This is interesting, Gregor, whether you go for League One players or not. But some of the ones he highlighted are from teams that have done pretty well and some that haven't done so well. Um, he he highlighted Elliot Moore from Oxford as a goal-scoring threat. Did Bristol City go down that line of, of going into League One and hoping they're good enough for the Championship again? Well, yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because obviously we've had the Matty Taylor situation over the last few years. Was he good enough to step up from the Championship or not? And then I also look at, remember we were talking about Jack Marriott last week and how Lee Johnson said it was a bit of a punt to go for Marriott when he was leaving Peterborough and that, that, that maybe might not be able to make the step up to Championship and you certainly didn't know that when you're putting a lot of money um, in for him. But then you contrast that with obviously Ivan Tony, where you, you spend big money, but then he wasn't proven either at championship level at the time, although obviously he was at Newcastle before, wasn't he? And so, so yeah, we'll, we'll, um, I, I guess we, we'll see. I know in terms of, there are some players out there such as Jerry Yates that we oh, mentioned before of, Black, of Blackpool. Yeah. Who, who are players we know that the club are aware of. They're on the their longer lists of targets before they'd, whittled um, their actual transfer targets for this summer down. So, yeah, I, I think maybe you have to have a, a bit of mix and match in terms of... If you get it you, right. Do you need, yeah. Yeah, to get it to get it proven. And some you will maybe have to take a risk on. And I, I don't think any club gets it. And back to Brentford, that's what Brentford did, Gregor, wasn't it? Ollie Watkins from Exeter. Exactly. I don't think any club gets everything right. And no. even Brentford will have the guys who haven't worked out as well. But you've just got to make sure that you get more of those right. So, And, and maybe you mitigate your, your chances by, by bringing in some proven and, and then having a, a bit of a gamble on some other players. Mm. And uh, just finally, just a, a mention to Rob, who said Liam Walsh and also uh, Trevor was saying, you know, start building around Liam Walsh, which I thought was very interesting. He still is a, a fan's favourite for some of you. Uh, we're going to talk more about this next week. We've got a couple more weeks left to delve into what we think might happen over summer. And we'll be looking at the playoffs next week as well in a bit more detail. Uh, Gregor, thanks for joining me. Um, congratulate. How, how many miles have you done this season? Oh, I haven't I haven't worked it out but right, work it out yeah. come back to you next week <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I was about to say congratulations on all the mileage you've covered but of course it's not been the same um, without, without the fans with us it's been eerily quiet but fingers crossed for August um, thanks for listening wherever you're listening if you hit subscribe you won't miss an episode we'll see you next week Robins at the Gate proudly sponsored by Mansion Bet your favourite place to bet always bet on red with Mansion Bet 18 plus be gamble aware Please subscribe and review us wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was produced by Little Monster Media.